Unfortunately, just as we're about to see the end of 2020, the wrestling world is devastated by the news that AEW star Brody Lee, aka John Huber, has passed away at the age of 41. Now, John Huber came into national fame as Luke Harper, a member of Bray Wyatt's sinister group, The Wyatt Family. After the dissolution of the Wyatt family, he languished in the WWE, requesting his release and eventually getting it. Once his 90-day no-compete clause ended, the talented big man debuted in AEW as Mr. Brody Lee, aka the Dark Order's exalted one. Lee quickly entered a number of high-profile programs, including a failed bid for John Moxley's AEW World Championship and a successful chase for the TNT Championship held by Cody Rhodes. Lee dropped the belt to Rhodes in a brutal dog-collar match, but disappeared from AEW TV, leading to considerable speculation as to what happened. There were initial rumors of an injury suffered leading up or at the dog-collar match, but nothing was substantiated. John's wife Amanda posted an update on what happened. My best friend died today. I never wanted to write out those words. My heart is broken. The world saw him as the amazing Brody Lee, aka Luke Harper, but he was my best friend, my husband, and the greatest father you ever met. No words can express the love I feel or how broken I am right now. He passed surrounded by loved ones after a hard-fought battle with a non-COVID-related lung issue. The Mayo Clinic is literally the best team of doctors and nurses in the world who surrounded me with constant love. AEW issued a touching tribute to Huber, an excerpt which follows, The All Elite Wrestling family is heartbroken. In an industry filled with good people, John Huber was exceptionally respected and beloved in every way. A fierce and captivating talent, a thoughtful mentor, and simply a very kind soul that starkly contradicted his persona as Brody Lee. Now I hope that the AEW production team is as smart as I believe they are, and they focus on my eyes so that I may talk directly to my people. Fellow Dark Order, the Exalted One is near, and when he arrives, he will breathe new life into the Dark Order. My brother Stu Grayson, Alex Reynolds, and John Silver have done my bidding in preparation for this wonderful night. And tonight, their eyes will open and they will see what evil Uno sees. Because I have promised them the arrival of the Exalted One. But more importantly, I have promised you the arrival of the Exalted One. And evil Uno never lies. Evil Uno never breaks his promises because evil Uno cares about you. Together, we are one. We are one. And the Exalted One is near. The Exalted One is near. The Exalted One is SCU, Frankie Kazarian, Christopher Daniels, who have had no shortage of trouble with the Dark Order. Please, in the name of all that is holy, would you stop running your mouths? Evil Uno, it's been like this for three months straight. Every chance you get, you get a microphone in your hand and you tell lies. I'm so sick of these lies. You talk about how you're gonna make someone's life better. You haven't made Alex Reynolds any better. You haven't made John Silver any better. You haven't made any of these jackasses that wear your masks 
any better. All you've done is you've wasted our time. You've wasted these people's times watching at home, and we're sick of it. We are sick of it. And the biggest lie, the biggest lie that you've told is that there is an exalted one. There is no exalted one, Uno. It's just you two. In fact, there's you two. I would like to take this opportunity to introduce myself. I am the exalted one of the Dark Order. In a very short time, you will be up to speed on just who I am. Now, I'd first like to state that the new rule of the Dark Order goes like this. We do what we want, when we want. And if I want something, I take it. And now let me put it in a different way, because maybe the stupid out there didn't understand. If we come and knock on your door, you open that door and you let the Dark Order in. And if you don't, I personally will kick that door down and lead the Dark Order through it. Seems to be a little bit of silence. Maybe you don't understand. Let me make this one a little more personal, a little more tangible for you to feel, Mr. Christopher Daniels. Oh, you thought you were safe, didn't you? The thing about it is now the word is out, Chris. You are very unsafe. All your jokes, all your games. Did you really think you were going to go unpunished? Mr. Daniels, I assure you, you are not the first out-of-touch old man to not believe in me. But I will make damn sure you are the last. Now let me take this time to formally introduce myself to you, Chris. My name is Brody Lee, and I am the Exalted One. see him in action here for the first time here live on TNT. The Exalted One is here! His opponent! Wow. The Exalted One, Brody Lee! You said it, the Exalted One is here. I knew him by a different name. I'm excited to see what Brody Lee looks like. Uh, size alone, just coming in the ring. Uh, incredibly, incredibly impressive. But you mentioned what we saw. The daddy eats first. Mm. Uh, the sneezing. Yeah. Uh, wow. the, the kind of uh, the so social Darwinism surrounding uh, the Dark Order. Uh, very much a cult and uh, an unhealthy cult. He's got a follower with him. They are, they are more dangerous now than ever before, Cody. Oh, that's that, absolutely... That, that, that's an understatement. I get it, but they, they really are. And, okay. 
I see. Is that Austin Gunn? Yeah. Who is he talking about? He's talking about Kip Sabian. Right. And then we've also had Spears in there betting. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. And Dasha, Dasha Gonzalez is in there. dog in there randomly. Let a dog? What's Dasha doing in there? I, I, she's so... Uh, I'm trying to sort him out, I I'm guess. I'm rooting for my boy QT here. I, he's got an uphill battle for yeah. sure. But that's the thing. Brody Lee's been out of action. He has been out of action. Okay. This is his debut. Yeah, well, here he goes. Oh. Look at the size of him. My yeah. God. And you're right. He's, he, is, he has really been out of action for a little while. But the fact is, we all know what he can do. We've seen. Sure. I mean, Brody Lee is, is no stranger to the, to the wrestling ring. That, the wrestling ring on the shoulder he goes. That, that boots. Uh, yeah. When you start no huddle like that, wow. bam. Taking advantage of the looseness of the bike rack. It's not a foam pad. And, and also, here's another thing to think of, too. You know QT Marshall willing to take this match. As you know, trying to get a win. He's won his last two tag team matches with your brother as his tag team partner. But he had to realize that the first match against the Exalted One, the Exalted One would try to do anything and everything to show what he's made of. Show what he's made of to the AEW fans and pro wrestling fans, but also show to the Dark Order. This whole daddy eats first, this whole concept, it doesn't work unless he's an absolute killer. And the agility there, just to be able to pull the Guerrero over in, in that case, actually put his body weight on QT Marshall. He's got this bizarre combination and, and a, a Kevin, Knight, uh, Kevin Nash-like approach to this in, in his agility. Follows him in. Elbow right to the side of the neck. Yeah, the back elbow's got him hooked now over the top of the vertical suplex. It's vertical suplex, but didn't even use the arm. Total power. Total power. Here's the arm over now. He's going to do it again. That's almost like a brain buster suplex. Put him right straight down. He hit the shoulder that time. And QT Marshall hasn't taken a breath. Or perhaps even their lives. Mr. Brody Lee unable to capitalize after the superplex. Gonna have Jericho here, have more from the celebrities around the world. And right now, two of the biggest stars in AEW are going at it. I mean, they have bruised and battered. And there could be there could be some more than lacerations here. I'm somewhat surprised the referee was counting there. Yeah, impact. Both competitors on their knees and teeing off on one another. Cody's got that resilience. That, that 14 pounds we talked about in muscle has made him a lot stronger. And you know he kept up his cardio. He's very resilient tonight. Uh-oh. Had a good game plan. Oh, release Dragon Suplex. Until now. Cody Lee feels it. He hit his big move. He likes that move. It's very effective. But he's not able to get right back up and follow up either. Oh, and there's his oh. discus lyric. Right. Discus lyric. Cody floats over the top. Nice block by Cody. Oh! Cody had a counter for uh, Brody Lee's big discus elbow, discus to clothesline. And that's when he puts guys away with that. Yeah, it's the final cut. It's what he calls the final cut, and maybe it's the final blow he needed. And oh, right in the mouth. The chain being wrapped in the mouth of Brody Lee. Across the nose. Across oh, the eye. Oh, my God. God. Look at the visual of this, my God. And Cody just hammering down elbows. And Brody Lee's he's pouring blood. And Cody hoists him up again. Oh. Ross Road. Good God, what a crossroads. Gotta be it. Yes. Wow. Yes. We have a new TNT champion.
extremely well done like you and Cody uh, have amazing chemistry the storytelling was fantastic thank sorry you lost but I mean yeah. ultimately the match was super super memorable uh, so how does something like that come together did Cody propose it did you propose it um, give us a little bit behind the in scenes a, in a very actually roundabout cool story um, one of my favorite matches of all time is Piper vs. Valentine 1983 the dog collar match hey, which I've watched enough. tons of millions of times so in discussion of what should the big match be that we do? I almost jokingly threw out, let's do a dog collar match. And everyone goes, yeah, that's a great idea. And I was like, oh my God. So then the day of, they say, hey, uh, Valentine's coming and he wants to talk to you. So, him, I, you know, it was unreal. He, you know, he, then after the match, he pulled us aside, put the match over, said how impressed he was, like how, how much he loved it. And I, like, it was crazy. And then they had a great shot of him at the end. Right. Of him just applauding. Uh, I haven't watched the match back. I've only seen clips because I don't want, I just want to leave it as it is. feels very special to me. Uh, it also sucks, the result. So I'm going to leave it where it is for a little while. I'll get, I'll get vodka drunk at some point and watch it back late at night. Uh, I like the yeah, specific vodka drunk. <laughs> uh, Tito's like, only. Tito's only. <laughs> but I, we just got off of a phone call about not, you know, these sponsorships. So I wanted to be careful, just say a very general vodka. There but if go. Tito's Vodka wanted to sponsor me, I'd be very happy about that. Well, they are the they are the vodka for dog lovers, as you can hear in the background hey, already. I right? have I have the dog dish, <laughs> <laughs> and it says that. It, yeah, it, it was a tremendous match, but it, Brody, it was also a dangerous match. You guys, yeah. and I know you know you you we we all kind of talked about it beforehand. The length of the chain and. So many parameters, so yeah. many things can go wrong and something like that. I mean, that was a dangerous thing to get into. Yeah, a couple of weird things. Uh, we were presented a couple of different chains and options, and we went with what you saw on TV, mainly because it looked good on TV. Um, that was not beneficial to my neck to have that right. strapped around me and then carrying around for 20 minutes while another man is trying to kill me. Define uh, like how a chain looks good on TV versus not. Uh, bigger and makes better sound, makes which, sense. In, okay. which in turn hurts more. Yeah, no. Totally. So uh, I did this for the fans. I just want them to know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, um, I talked to a few people a few days after the match. Um, I ride Peloton a lot. And the day yes! I think Thursday, I don't know if it was Thursday or Friday, I quit a ride for the first time. Um, I was about 20 minutes in. And I said, I can't do this. And my body was just not proper. Um, I think I'm slowly getting just two weeks out now. And I'm slowly getting normal again, worked out. But like, I, th I think I left a piece of me in there. So oh, damn. But yeah, but I'm happy with it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so AEW has been a really great opportunity to let you shine on the microphone. Mm -hmm. uh, talk about having the creative freedom. 
Uh, it's it's unreal. Um, it's nerve wracking. Um, I think I mentioned it before the anxiety and stuff like that. Of now, there's no uh, there's nobody to blame. There's nobody to say, hey, you um, you weren't good because someone wrote this for you. It's now, hey, you wrote this, you performed it, and it sucked, or it was amazing. Either, you know, either way. But like, you now have to be prepared to deal with that kind of stuff. You know, and I am. I'm ready for it. That's what I've always wanted. Uh, I talked about the dog collar match. These are the moments and the kinds of things that I yearned for for years. I wanted to be a professional wrestler. I wanted to be a successful professional wrestler. And I wanted to get into these gritty and grimy feuds that have these crazy matches that mean something. And I was never given that opportunity at the other place. And I've already been given that opportunity several times here. Let's talk about the development of the of uh, the exalted one mm-hmm. and. You know, this is uh, this was a storyline we had heard about a lot going forward in, in AEW in its first year, and then all of a sudden, it's Mister Brody Lee who's the exalted one. When did you find out that was going to be your your character coming into AEW? Um, it had been mentioned to me as kind of a, an option, but not a clear direction um, mm-hmm. until a few weeks before. And then they were kind of deciding to debut me and Matt on the same day in Rochester. Um, so it, it kind of all fell together at the same time and was a pretty crazy opportunity to have to be in my hometown um, to re-debut and to like almost be born again. Um, wow, as wow. for the character, I was a little unsure of it just because I have never done anything like that. So being a background dancer for so long, you you get bits and pieces from people and you try to put the best foot forward that you can as a leader now. Um, so I try to do that on stage and backstage also. Uh, and then I was termed a leader by somebody in the office a few weeks ago and I was appalled that they would ever have said that about me. Uh, but I think, I think at this point now, maybe that's where I'm getting to. So what was the decision to uh, sort of wear the suits in... <laughs> There was a lot of the earlier promos had had a very mm-hmm. very Vince vibe, obviously. Yes. Um, uh, and the suits have still become sort of the namestay. Like Brody Lee is a very well dressed man. Yes. Um, once I wore that first suit, it felt good, um, but it didn't feel completely right. Um, the Vince McMahon um, comparisons flew. That, that's all people talked about the first three to four weeks of my eight right. career, and that became, yeah. I think, detrimental to me. And I didn't I didn't like it. I didn't want it. Um, so I tried to get away from the stuff that they were saying. So as opposed to a, a multicolored suit, I now went with a full suit tailored to me that I don't think looks anything like a Vince McMahon or anybody else. And once I did that red one, I was like, I'm sold. I, this is my bi-monthly you know, routine now is to go get a suit made. And, and it's I love it. I love it. Um, so, yeah, I think it was very important to get as far away as I could from Luke Harper. Um, and this was probably the way to do it also, but it was so stark. And so the contrast was so much, I can't think of the word right now, but like, so it's just so different that I think people were thrown off by it for a long time. And it took, and I think I was thrown off by it for a while too, and didn't really find my footing for a month or two in. You are Mr. Brody Lee and you're a badass on dynamite. Sure am. Now let now let's go to Mr. Brody Lee on being the elite. Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, uh, yeah. I that, mean, that, that, that's an entertaining thing because I've been involved in some of your stuff. 
So are you saying uh, that? Are you saying that my dynamite character is not entertaining? Is that what I'm too? No, entertaining in a different enter- way. Uh, yes, okay, thank okay, you, okay. thank okay. you very much, Aubrey. You're not a bitch anymore. Thank no, you for bailing I, me out of that. No, I'm bailing you out, Tony. <laughs> okay, it's very no, you're intense, different, and you're you're entertaining in different podcast. ways. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, after the first few bits of BT hit and were successful, I, I, I may have been heard to tell my friends that I was the, uh, best, most well-rounded professional wrestler in the world at this current time. And I feel that in ring, in a serious promo comedy and just all around, I'm the best in the world right now. I mean, and I think BT and Dynamite prove it. Yeah. It's hard to be argued, man. I mean, exactly. I, yeah, you are well, well rounded. Yeah, a, a roll of papers has never been more terrifying or hilarious than it has been in recent months. Hey, you got to keep people in line, and you know, different people have different tactics, and uh, you know, mine just happens to be very effective. So, so is, is there a certain moment that like everything like clicked for you as far as like maybe the Brody Leon Dynamite versus the Brody yeah. Leon BTE? That's a great question. I think honestly. Uh, the promo I cut on Cody challenging him for the match um, the week after. Oh, the yelling the one in the uh, yes, where we did it stage? in the hallway at Silver and Reynolds. There, I think I went in and and literally didn't. I had some thoughts in my head, and I said, you know what, I'm just going to go in. And it was Jess, of course, and she goes, well, "What do you have in mind?" I said, "I don't, I don't know." But I just want to, this is kind of how I want to present it. And whatever comes out, comes out. And I think we did it twice. And she's like, are you happy? I was like, yeah. She's like, I was like, are you happy? She goes, yeah, because I trust Jess very much. And uh, when the, it was shot and shown, I was like, man, that was so powerful because it was stuff that I believed in. It was things that were real to me. And I had people tell me like, man, we could feel you, what you're saying. Like you, you are so into it. And I was like, yeah, because it's real. And so that was kind of the term. I was like, oh my God, I need to start understanding not to script out everything word for word because i'll get lost um but have these ideas in my head that i want to say and then just go out and scream them and just intensity and passion and it does, sometimes it doesn't matter what you say but how you say it and learning that was very important to me and then just the opportunity and the reps of getting it over and over and over like i crave tv time now where there was a time i was terrified of it where it was like, oh, you have a 20-minute match. And then I knew, oh, no problem, I'm good in the ring. But they were like, hey, you have a 10-minute promo. And it's like, oh, shit, what do I do? Now it's like, I want that 10-minute promo. I, I crave it. So, yeah, it, it, it hit and it feels good. I don't know the exact moment, but I feel like that promo with Cody and then the BT bleeding up to that was kind of the turning point to where we are now. So let's talk about uh, how the Wyatt family idea was presented to you. Um, I don't know if either of you have met Bray Wyatt, but he is a very intense human being. And before, (laughs) before I was even hired, um, Claudio calls me and we never called each other. So I pick it up and he, he, I say, Hey man, he goes, Hey, you know, we hear you, you might get, I just almost maybe getting signed at this point. Nothing had been signed. He goes, Hey, but somebody wants to talk to you. He gets on the phone and it's a man I've never met, never spoken to nothing. And he, for the next 10 minutes, rattles off these ideas of what the Wyatt family became. And then he goes, all right, man, I'll see you later. And then Claudio gets back on. And he goes, yeah, Bray, just, he really wanted to talk to you. He knew you were coming here. He just really wanted to talk to you. And I go, well, what happens now if I don't get signed? Is he going to be really, really upset? <laughs> so, but literally everything he said was exactly what he wanted to present it that way. And I had just happened to fit in perfectly at the time. And at that point. So is there anything that you had, uh, you had hoped the character would be that maybe 
Uh, I thought it was a really great step into that world. Um, I always hoped that it would progress from there and become an actual character. Um, we used to get asked all the time, like, well, what is, what is your character? And then I would point out how somebody else on the roster's character had been fleshed out through a series of feuds or storylines or things that they did on air, not just like, Hey, here's his character. He delivers cookies or whatever, like some stupid shit. That's a gimmick. So I always was of the, I thought, hoped that it would flesh out somewhere from behind Bray to the forefront and it just never happened. All right. Well, your journey to get to AEW in the first place is a lot of time. We, we just mentioned earlier, yeah. the last time we, we did this, Jeddah. we were in Jeddah <laughs> and you told me about the, uh, the uh, Mecca yep. the arrow on the wall. But the funny thing was that was my, la- I think that was the first time, my second time there was my last ever show Okay. With WWE, which gotcha. I believe was your last ever show in WWE. So, but, yeah, I did a uh, randomly. I had been kind of sent home again after an angle with Roman and Daniel Bryan, and uh, randomly just got word that hey, you're going to Saudi Arabia. And I was like, for what? And they're like, oh, we have this battle royal to determine. <laughs> I don't even know. I think maybe a U.S. title shot. And uh, f- funnily enough, the people there were chanting my name the entire match. <laughs> so it was actually a pretty cool experience. <laughs> Let's go further back, though, because when we mm-hmm. the, the, the time in Jeddah, the first time, yep. I had come back in 2015 with the idea of, I don't know when I can come back on TV. I'm just going to do house shows. Yep, which is a wonderful and, idea. Well, and because Michael Hayes goes, Vince will never let you do that. Yeah. And then, of course, he has Vince. He's like, whatever you want to do. And so basically, I'm working these 65 shows is what it was yep. with no angle. And I think half the matches were with Cesaro and half of them were with you. Yeah, we did you. a whole bunch, yeah. And we had great matches. And I remember Arn Anderson was like, this guy's mm-hmm. a hoss. He's going to mm-hmm. be great. And it seemed like you were a guy that, like, everyone knew. we yeah. got something with this guy. He could talk. Yeah. You know, all these things. So I think uh, the way I do talk, Vince doesn't see a person that looks like me talking like me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think he could get over that. Uh, he saw a backwoods hillbilly who talked in a southern drawl that and being from Rochester, New York and being somewhat eloquent, he didn't understand and Mm. just didn't compete with him. And Arn, I think, was maybe to the detriment, was one of my biggest supporters in meetings. And Arn would even say that. Arn would say, hey, man, I'm just going to stop speaking up for you Mm -hmm. because I don't think it's doing you any favors. You know, so uh, I had my supporters, just not, I guess, vocal ones not ones that were willing to go to bat for me to a point. And um, once I fell into a role, no matter what I pitched, no matter what I showed anybody, it just, I wasn't digging my way out of it to that one, to the audience of one. But there was that one point where you had like a, a run for the Intercontinental mm-hmm. Championship. Maybe you might've even won the Intercontinental yep. Championship. Won the Intercontinental Championship, so- uh, had it for, I think 27 days mm-hmm. and had a hell of a, like, the next, I think, four or five months, I worked Dolph on the all the house shows and had a blast. Had a great ladder match with Dolph. Like that was probably my the peak. And the ladder match was on a pay per view. Yep, I yep, remember that. Yep. Yeah, in, in his hometown, got my wife to worry about me because she was live and she thought I got hurt, so I knew I did a good job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was kind of like the the peak. And but even then, like, don't think I want a match on TV with the belt. Uh, did a bunch of DQs, lost a bunch of matches, and like it, it almost was like. They lo- I lost favor almost instantly. As soon as I won the belt, it was like, okay, here you go. And then it was like, didn't even get a chance to do anything with it. 
uh, pitched a whole bunch of different things for angles, for ideas to change the character, and then he just wasn't buying them. What were some of the ideas that he had to change the character? So I wanted to be a collector of some sort, uh, almost like... So I'm very much into serial killers mm-hmm. and uh, stuff like that. So I wanted to collect something from each person I would beat. And then the problem just became that I wasn't beating anybody. So it was hard to collect from people to, <laughs> to do that. Uh, I also wanted to be maybe a smart monster, a very intelligent monster, where I could speak like I do in a very intelligent way and like break my opponents down in a way, certain way that I wasn't doing in the Wyatt family. And then just have the same matches I was having and look the same exact way. So be this slovenly character, but just very also intelligent, almost like a Bruiser Brody. And again, like I just don't think he could see that that way of talking. And I, I remember going into his office and him telling me, hey, I want you to do a Southern Drawl. And I was like, sir, I'm from Rochester, New York. Uh, I think it's <laughs> going to... Yankee. Re- yeah, he's like, I think it's going to sound really, really fake. And he goes, well, just do me a favor. And he goes, we don't want it to sound fake, but do me a favor and try it. And I did it for him. And he goes, yeah, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. And so literally walked out and thinking... Well, that, that's gone. It's never going to come up again. And then next week in the script, it was like specific, like Luke Harper, do a Southern accent. And then it was just, it was, it was from there. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Which is so strange because then he moves on with Rowan yep. and gave him a gimmick for a short period of time where he was the intelligent yep. monster. Exactly. So I don't know if it's, he just didn't know the difference between us. Or <laughs> <laughs> and also the other thing is me and Rowan constantly just always found each other. Somehow, no matter what, like, I think Vince saw it as we were a team and we're always together and that's what it was. He, he didn't see us apart by any stretch. Mm-hmm. So no matter what would happen, he would always bring us back together. Right. Yeah, because that's just... And yeah. you can see these things, like, I talked about this with, with Matt Hardy last week, mm-hmm. when you look at, like, a John Morrison, he goes away, does all these great things, comes back, and a week and a half later, he's Mrs. Tag Team Partner. Right, exactly. Exact same spot as, mm-hmm. as when he left, Right. And so even after after the Intercontinental title run, I then was able to do same character, but they did the thing with Randy Orton and Bray where Randy got in the group and I was the one that kind of sniffed him out like, this guy's a snake, he's bad for us, like he shouldn't be in this group, where Bray was just kind of like, no, no, we're walking everybody in. And I told the writers before it even started, like, organically, guys, I'm going to get over because I'm going to be the smarter one here who sees it and I'm going to be looking at the bad guy like fuck you and they they were like no 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 it's not how it's going to work it's not how it's going to be written I said okay and literally each week my crowd reaction would go up 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 and uh, all the way through the thing we did did the angle with Randy he turned I got over I got all the way to a to a championship match battle royal with I think me and AJ were last two we did the spot where we were supposed to go to the floor, hit it at the same time to do a match the next week. In um, rehearsal, hit it, no problem. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, of course, in the actual uh, execution of it, I f***ed it up a little bit. My ass like slipped on the apron, and I either touched first or he did, but it was pretty obvious that one of us touched first. They, they shot around it, and they explained, no, no, they touched at the same time. And then the next week, AJ, who was the heel, uh, ended up making me tap and pinning me in the same match, like they restarted, restarted the match, and I was like, I was like, yep, this is the end. Yeah, 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 this is the burial, <laughs> yep, this right? Is it. And so then were you off for a while? So then after that, they, I was off TV for eight months. I did uh, I did uh, dark matches every single week. I'd tell them, I was like, let me do the dark matches. Because I knew I'd go out there, they would chant my name, and I would just think like, oh, maybe Vince is watching this week. 
and literally nothing ever came of it. And we used to joke during these eight and ten men matches, like I would just sit on the apron and people would chant my name, and it was it was wonderful. But there was nothing coming from it, mm-hmm. and I would do very few house shows. Um, and then next thing was the Bludgeon Brothers. I mean, I, I'm asking this question more as a rhetorical question. I mean, it's, it's so frustrating. Oh my God, you have no idea. Do, well, I mean, <laughs> Maybe I have, you do actually. I don't have an idea of ever being <laughs> off TV, but I have an idea of just being just being set aside. Yep. You know, so I left in 2005 for that reason. Yep. But when I first got there, even in '99, is. I would go and have conversation with Vince, and I know he wasn't really listening. Were you? Would you go talk to Vince? Oh yeah, we we chatted many many times. He was always very honest with me about like he's like I just don't have anything for you right now, and you know that's I don't the know. worst yeah thing to hear. And it's like okay, and like even the writers would try. I had a very good friend named Nick there who would try everything you know to help me get. There was Nick. Nick. Uh, Nick the Dick. How you know. doing? The, yeah, the the, the yes. looking guy. Yeah, yeah. So kind of look like a like a weirder Carano or something like that. Oh, I don't. I don't want. I don't want to say that to him. <laughs> no, but he had the slick, don't want to hurt. The slick hair. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just don't want to hurt his feelings. <laughs> New York guy. A yeah. good-looking New York kid. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. <laughs> uh, so we would try and we would brainstorm it, and I would be texting people weekly, the writers, like just you know, hey, anything in the meetings, and then. You know, the name would get brought up and it would go away and it just, I knew there was nothing coming. Like, Mm -hmm. you could almost sense it. And, yeah, it was literally the most frustrating thing I could imagine as a career. Like, so I'm wrestling weekly on these TVs, but then you just go sit in catering and watch these shows. And you're like, man, I know where I could fit in on these. I know I can make an impact. And it's just... And like I said, like, I'm not saying this as as Mm -hmm. blind praise. Like, I really enjoyed working with you. And not just as a... You know, as as a punching bag, like you right. had great mind. Yeah. You could talk. We did stuff sometimes. I don't know if we did promos in the ring, but I I always knew you could talk. And, and that was the, the frustrating part is like you you don't want to believe your own hype in a way, but also you you believe in yourself, right? And you know what you can do. And uh, so then I would start doubting myself too. It's like, well, maybe I don't. Maybe I don't have it. Maybe I. And, yeah. and this happened actually last week with with AEW, where it's like, hey. Go do this promo. And coming from WWE, it's like, okay, well, what do you want me to talk about? And it's like, well, whatever you want, this is your promo. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so then it's like, the stress was like, holy shit, like, so now I have no one to blame. So if it's not good, it's on me. And it's like, it's like, can I do this? Mm. And so then it became that whole thing too. And, and it's just like a roller coaster of. Well, let me, t- let me tell you this. So we did a show at the Daily's Place mm-hmm. months ago, June or something mm-hmm. like this. And it was a pay-per-view, like a fight TV pay-per-view. Okay. And my thing was that we were doing a pull-apart with Hangman Page, and I had a promo. And exact same thing that you just said. It's like, all right, Jericho, you've been told you're a good right. talker. You consider yourself a good talker. Now you're going out on live TV yeah. with no rehearsal <laughs> and no script. And right. no one is like, you know, you, I was never a guy that would bitch about it because I had a lot of creativity, mm-hmm. but I would always have to bitch about this. This has to get approved by right, Vince. Exactly. Now... No one's approving anything, and no one even knows what I'm going to say. Right. You think you're good? Prove it. And I was exactly. really nervous, like, exactly. freaking almost 30 years in. Went out there, did the promo, and as soon as I was done, I was like, you know what? Yeah. I can, of course I can do this. This is what I do. And that's the same thing I thought when I was watching in the ring. I was like, F- that was, you know, that was pretty f- good. Yeah. And uh, But that's the thing, too. Like, you now have this opportunity, and people have told you, hey, you're good at this. Yeah. And now it's like, well, okay, well, I better be now, or it's on me. That's true. You have no one else to blame. No, nobody. You can't. Yeah. And, and like even um, 
Cody came in the room and he's like, well, what do you got? And I read it to, and I totally stumbled over everything I was going to say to him. Just, I don't even know. And he goes, okay, go ahead. Good luck. And he, he just left. And I was like, well, here we go. Yeah. Either you can do it or you yeah, can't. Exactly. And I, but, so then after that, I was like, man, this is good. And then from there, it's just like, okay, now we're, now I'm ready to go. Like, let's just, I'm looking for, then we did another one that, that evening, which I think is going to air this week, which I love. And it's just like, again, like, Hey, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay. And so, that's kind of what wrestling is yeah. all about. Right. And that, it, so, but like being in WWE for eight years, I didn't remember, remember mm-hmm. that. Me and too. It, yeah, it's like, yeah. it's like, so you used to be Brody Lee and you used to do all this fun stuff and, and have these matches and stuff. And it's like, man, I don't remember. Yeah. And so, but now it's like slowly like starting to come back and I don't think I've even hit a stride yet, but I think I'm eventually going to just be. Well, dude, remember it, again. It's been one week with right, no people. Right, I mean, right. it, the, the, but see, this is why, like, and we'll, we'll talk about this. The, the, when you first asked for your release, the first guy that I mm-hmm. called was Tony. I'm like, dude, what do we think about this guy? Like, right. We should get him. Right. And, and if, if they released every single person in WWE, we wouldn't take every <laughs> right. single person. There's right. very few we would get. Yep. But there's the got to be a fine line of that. Yeah, but there's certain ones that you can see, like, this is a guy that was nothing there yep. that could be something right. here. Right. And you and, definitely fall in that category. That's, but then again, that's so in my psychotic head, like that's the stress of it all too. It's like, hey, all these people believe in you. Chris Jericho believes in you. Tony Khan believes in you. Cody Rhodes believes in you. And these are people that texted me and told me this. And it's like, okay, well, now I don't want to make them look bad. Mm-hmm. And then like, so then the stress of, can you do this anymore? Mm-hmm. And being off for so long, it's like, hey, can you still mm-hmm. go? So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, what's up? It's Jonathan Hood. And it is just sad once again for me to have to do one of these reflections of someone who was vibrant in the business. I've done a lot of these in 2020, and here we are on the 26th of December as I record this. And we, as you've been hearing, Jonathan Huber. Luke Harper, Mr. Brody Lee has passed away. And you heard at the top of this podcast how he passed away. And you've heard a lot of memories and a lot of conversations he's had with Tony Schiavone and Aubrey Edwards on AEW Dynamite um, on that podcast that they do. That is a terrific podcast. And him giving his reflections and uh, Mr. Brody Lee's conversation with Chris Jericho and just some of the ups and downs of his career but it is amazing that someone who is this young is cut down so early in life and the more and more that I read and hear about Mr. Brody Lee and his journey to AEW to his death I read more and more about how he was such a family man and a wonderful person to everyone in locker rooms in the independents in the WWE as well as in AEW And I wondered where Brody Lee was after that great dog collar match he had with Cody Rhodes in AEW. And we come to find out where he was in the Mayo Clinic and trying to fight for his life and no one knew about it. And he passes away. So I just want to let you know that I just think that the world of him, because when I first saw him, I said, that guy's Bruiser Brody 2.0. He looked like Bruiser Brody, the same Brody I grew up watching in the AWA when I was a kid. His mannerisms, his power, his strength, all that I was seeing in 
this character when I first saw him as Luke Harper turning into Mr. Brody Lee. And he was on the way to redefining himself in AEW. He was not in the dirty jeans and the dirty t-shirt and part of the Wyatt family. He had turned the corner as not just a good wrestler, but also um, a really good comedian as well on those being the elite shows. You could see the personality coming out of him in that. But he was getting away, way away from that Luke Harper character and was turning Brody Lee into something uh, as part of the faction that he was running. So I just want you to know that um, it is uh, amazing, these stories that we get. You never know what you're going to get from day to day. And to go through my phone as I'm with family, um, a little bit out of town here, and I'm seeing what's going on here, like Brody Lee passed away. It's like, wow, that can't be true. And you flip through your phone more and more, and you see that it is true, that someone that was on the way to getting to the pinnacle of his career passes away. Well, as we always do, we are celebrating the life of someone that meant a lot to a lot of people. And so as we continue, we will hear some of uh, Luke Harper's uh, most famous moments in the WWE and also uh, listen to a documentary that was released by WWE.com regarding uh, Luke Harper, Jonathan Huber's career uh, in his infancy in the WWE. But uh, rest in peace, Luke Harper, um, Mr. Brody Lee, Jonathan Huber, a terrific performer on his way, passing away at age 41. But Jason Jordan wasn't prepared for any of this. Jason Jordan was prepared to face Aiden English. And he can, I mean, he's obviously thrown his game right off. But Jason Jordan is brutal. Um, Jason Jordan is, is somebody to watch here in NXT, but he's got to watch who he's facing at the moment because we have no idea about this this fellow that is. is, is... Jordan with a takedown. Can anybody find out for us who this man is? Please. Yeah. Oh, whoever he is, oh, he's making goodness. an impact right now. For the pin. Jordan down and out. The mystery coming in and burying Jason Jordan. We learned about Jason Jordan's character. He stood in and took a challenge. Whoever this man is, he hasn't taken his eyes off Bray Wyatt for this entire match. Ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome the first son of the Wyatt family, Luke Harper. Trying to actually sister Abigail Bray Wyatt at the Royal Rumble. So there is no love lost between Luke Harper and Randy oh. Orton, and Orton just yeah, beats Harper with a back elbow. That's sister Abigail. Oh! An RKO had come out of nowhere for Luke Harper. What a drop kick! And it always amazes me the agility and athleticism of the big man Luke Harper. I mean, can you blame Luke Harper? I mean, he blamed Randy Orton for the reason he fell out with Bray. He just catapulted Orton's throat into the rope. Don't forget, they were competing for Bray's affections for a long time. Well, 
Savage, patriarch of the Wyatt family, sending Harper a message. You see that? Harper backed away. Whoa. Oh, but oh, they're in front of us now. Was he backing away? Or just... Oh, my. Harper with the back suplex onto the commentator's table. Harper writhing in pain. Excommunicated member of the Wyatt family wants to take out Wyatt and Rowan tonight. Whoa, look at him. Oh. And oh, connects from the apron and a shot there on the massive Rowan. Oh, it put out goes Bray. Man top slam and wasn't able to get all of it. We got enough. This is Luke Harper's opportunity to get to Randy Orton. He might not get a better chance than this. Oh, oh, here comes the WWE champion. The Viper is ready to strike. Wow, that was impressive. Well, you know what comes next? Oh, and Bray Wyatt. Those Bray. And Randy able to get Bray Wyatt here outside the ropes, out onto the apron. Hold on a second. Long way down. Belgic, Randy Orton. DDT drops the inner of worlds, and the Viper is ready. Yep, he's going to that place. He's hearing voices. There was a time where Luke Harper and the WWE was away from the Wyatt family. And Luke Harper had a couple of tag team matches. You just heard one there with he and Randy Orton against Bray Wyatt and Eric Rowan. Also, there was another tag team match just before that. Luke Harper and John Cena against Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton. A couple of matches from SmackDown in 2017. So Luke Harper, uh, even though he had a lot of ups and downs, you could hear the crowd chanting Luke, Luke, Luke. Unfortunately, Vince McMahon couldn't hear those cheers. But if you were one of those people that rooting for rooted for John Huber, I'm sure he definitely appreciates it. Some reflections now from John Huber uh, about his life and what's really important to him, his family. Of course, at that time, Johnny Ace calls. He said, hey, kid, you know, we want to hire you. I said, it's a message, though. So I'm listening to this message. Call me back at this number. 203, phone cuts out. 
said, I call uh, Cesaro, and I said, please tell me you have Johnny Ace's number. And he said, oh, yeah, here you go. So I walk, run into the hall, and I call him. Hey, Johnny, this is uh, Jonathan Huber. You just called me. Phone cuts out. And I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God. So, of course, I call Johnny back. No answer. And I'm freaking out now. And, of course, two minutes later, there's the call. And he said, yeah, you know, we want to hire you, and da 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 And then, so everything was cool. <laughs> Um, sitting at NXT TV, and then I became the first son of the Wyatt family on TV, and then Rowan was added, and we became a tag team. And we did a match at NXT and got pulled in the back. Hunter said, I just want to tell you guys that uh, you guys are going on the road. I just remember the feeling of, oh my God. I did it. I did it. Down to the sea. <laughs> it's cool to me to... And I hold on to so much stuff from my wrestling that uh, I have the card from when I wrestled Undertaker. I have uh, posters. I have all the posters we've been on. I have all my figures. And I have them not for me, but someday I maybe want to hand them to my son and say, hey, here. And if he wants it or not, but I've been given the opportunity to give that to him. And uh, he's one of the biggest fans in the world, so... <laughs> For him to be able to see what I've done and uh, the person that it's made me, uh, I I can't uh, I can't really describe it. It's it's I guess if I had a goal in life, it was to be as good a dad as my dad, and I think I'm on my way. <laughs> and. Uh, I guess for me to be able to do that, it's super special. <laughs> as much as you know, you want to talk about like John Huber as a, you know, as a person. Huber Boy Two, Brody Lee, Luke Harper are all Jonathan Huber, and I'm that because of those three personalities, I guess, in professional wrestling. Made me what I am. It's uh very powerful.